you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. Today, we've got a really interesting guest for you in the form of Rumana, who is a 20-year-old medical student who has decided to take the plunge and set up her own clothing brand. It's a slightly different episode for you today. Normally, I'm on the other side of the microphone, but Rumana's going to be interviewing me, asking for my tips and advice on uh, what a young entrepreneur should be doing in order to grow their startup business. We talk about mindset, money, marketing, and all sorts of different things like that. So this should be a very interesting listen for you today. Well, give me a bit of an update. Tell me, tell me where you're up to do with your business, and um, we we can kind of start to work it out from there. Okay, so I've got all my samples ready. That's taken a couple of months. Got all the samples. You probably saw one of them behind me. Yeah. Um, just done that. Then I've set up the social media page. Not done anything on there at the moment. Um, we've got a photo shoot. I'm just in the process of planning that. So hopefully at the end of this month, we'll be able to plan something. Um, and that's it, really. That's all we've got up to at the moment. Okay. Um, and, and talk me through, like, how, how much have you sold? Who have you sold it to? Um, those sorts of things. Um, so we've not sold it to anyone at the moment. We've not actually launched it just yet. Okay. When what, what's your sort of um, your planned launch schedule? Um, I'd say mid March. Yeah, around mid March. Okay. What inspired you to start up a business in the first place? Um, I just saw a gap in the market, and I thought, do you know what? We're at home. It's lockdown. Got a bit of a break. Just take that opportunity and start something. Yeah. You never know. What so I, I'll um the reason I asked about sort of about that that uh launch horizon which you set for the um set up for yourself there one of the one of the biggest challenges which um business owners kind of um create for themselves is that they like and it's it's kind of it's, there's nothing wrong with it necessarily you are doing the right things so don't get me wrong when I say this it's not like you shouldn't be doing these things um but we can get really bogged down with like branding and websites and social media and it, you know you name it all of the stuff but ultimately like yeah. the one goal in business is really to kind of um find an audience and sell products to them um obviously we can do mm-hmm. that with some um, some sense of purpose and vision and mission, all, all those good things. Like there's obviously a, um, a reason why you set up the business in the, in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would, um, I'd be encouraging you just to get out there and actually find a way to start selling. And you'll probably think by doing the marketing activity, that's what you're doing. But at the moment, what's happening is you set yourself a mid-March launch date. Have you got, have you built up any kind of an audience yet? No, not yet. Yeah, because I, I mean, that's really what I would be doing is I'd be going out and finding, you know, 
a hundred of my sort of ideal clients target market and starting to show them um if you've got sketches or if you've got um uh, products already made up like starting to just sow the seed of an idea that you're launching this brand um and and gauging people's interest because the last thing you want to do is spend the next six weeks getting all of your social media and websites sorted out and doing all this stuff if and, and please don't take this the wrong way if nobody wants it yeah do you see what I mean? So you need to go out and get some get some data. Um, there's a there's a really great. I mean, apart from my books, there's a really great book which you should read called um, "The Lean Startup" by Eric Ries. Mm-hmm. So in that book, he talks about creating something called a minimum viable product. Right. Um, so the idea with it is that so let's say for example, if if we had a um, a product that we, I mean, he uses software as a, um, as this sort of subject, his product in the book, but you can apply the same principles to pretty much any business. If you were to spend 12 months, uh, designing the ultimate business and product and then launching it, it's like you launch it. It's perfect. And, ah, uh, there's, there's nobody, nobody knows about it. Nobody uh. wants it. There's no customers there. So what he suggests is, um, you know, well, what could you do in a tenth of the time? Now, it's not going to be as good as you would probably like it. It's not going to be perfect. So you take out features of your business that, um, you know, aren't like instrumental to selling something mm-hmm. that the clients aren't clamoring for just yet. We just take those out and we save them for later. So the idea, obviously, minimum viable products is building the minimum version of your business and launching that so that people have something which they can start to connect with. Uh, so what you probably find is that if you knuckle down, you, you, could, you could launch, I don't know, 80, 80% of what you would have created over 12 months. You could probably create 80% of that or 70% of that in the first month and launch it into the market and get some feedback and data. And, and imagine if you then do that 12 times over the preceding year, you got, you've got all of that data and feedback. You're starting to build up a community and, you know, client base and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll you be so much further on than you would have been if you just kind of just planned the perfect launch over 12 months and done it once. You know, you've done effectively 12 mini launches throughout that year. Um, you know, so don't, I wouldn't get too hung up on sort of social media websites and all that kind of stuff. They're important. Like, don't get me wrong, but um, people put far too much emphasis on them nowadays. And um, I'll explain the reason why that is as well. So I've been in business. um, Well, I've been in business since 2000, but my first official business was 2004 and we were building websites and doing branding and marketing and things like that. And um, back in 2004, you know, all you needed was a website and a business card and you could go to a, a BNI networking meeting and you'd get business. It was that simple. Wow. But at the time there was probably about, um, I don't know, a, f- a quarter or a fifth of the number of businesses as there are today. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. So there's, there's like, I mean, compared to even 30 years ago, there's 10 times probably the number of fashion brands uh, yeah, sorry, definitely. 30 years ago. Well, today there's 30, 30 times, uh, 10 times as many as there were 30 years ago. So it's a massively overly saturated market. And it's all thanks to the internet. The internet is obviously global marketplace, world at your fingertips. You can get products made up in, you know, um, uh, Asia and um, India and places like that at sort of a fifth of the cost that you could get them to be made up here. 
Um, but what it what it means is that um, there's kind of uh, if you imagine like basic business principles are based on supply and demand. So if there's not much supply but a lot of demand, products are going to be super expensive. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if there's loads of supply and only a tiny bit of demand, well, products end up being super cheap, like nobody because nobody really wants them. But and that's what and and essentially, you know, again, 2004, it was just a website. Facebook didn't exist, Instagram didn't exist, Snapchat, TikTok, Clubhouse, LinkedIn, you name it. None of these apps existed. So now we've got it's like the perfect storm of where oh, perceived super simple to get a business set up. But on the flip side of that, there's 10 times the number of people competing in the same space that I'm competing in, in the fashion space, and, and which is, means there's a massive amount of supply and demand. And it also means that it's 10 times harder for people to find us when yeah, they're looking for us. Just stand out as well, because yeah. everything's almost been done, because everyone's done it. Everyone's thought of the same ideas. 100%. So my, my advice is... Um, uh, and. As we'll see whether this resonates, but um, when I work with creatives, so whether they be um, show entrepreneurs like running service-based businesses or product-based businesses, yours is more of a product-based business, mm -hmm. um, they get very heavily focused on the products and that is the, the thing at the center of their business. But actually what you've got to master is marketing and sales. Right. Okay. So you might think, oh, nobody's buying it because it's not the right blazer. Mm -hmm. And you'll go out and create loads of different designs and loads of different styles and, you know, things like that. But actually what you haven't got to the bottom of first is how to actually take your first blazer to market and get it, make yeah. it popular. It's not about the product. Okay. What it's actually about is your own. So Romana's personal brand. Mm-hmm. So things like, I mean, you notice like I have my, my fearless business t-shirts. You should be able to see the picture of it yeah. on Zoom, right? So, but I also have like fearless business bottles. I have fearless business. I, well, I used to have them. I don't, um, I had silicon wristbands made up, but I, they're bad for the environment. So I've stopped using those now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, like I have my books all around me. I, I make a big point of like, you know, yeah, business coaching is what I do but it's, it's actually a, a byproduct, if you like, of having a strong personal brand. Right, okay. Makes sense? Because people can connect with me and my philosophies and yeah. culture and my T-shirts and you know stuff like that and come to my events and they can get pumped up. And then it's like once we've got to, they've got to know, like, and trust me, mm -hmm. then, we, then we dig into the business coaching. <laughs> Ah, so it's like a, a side thing. So main, the main focus is actually you and your branding rather than your actual coaching. Yeah, all of, all of my marketing is all about my, my brand. It has, uh, you know, it has nothing to do with the coaching side of things. Right, okay. It's like um, if, you, if you can build some sort of remarkable, it's, it's harder with a product-based business, but what I call them marketing assets um, versus marketing activity. So marketing asset is something like my book, a YouTube video, um, my five-star reviews on Google My Business, uh, my Facebook group, which has 1,800 people in it, um, and various other things like that. All of these marketing assets are taking a long time to build, but they're there when I sleep. Mm. 
So I don't have to like, it's, it's like it's months worth of work to, to write a book and get it published and for it to be good and to get lots of reviews for it. But now like people buy the book all the time or they request a free copy of the book all the time. So I don't have to keep on recreating it. it it's, you know, uh, yeah. And, and, and it means that you end up with these kind of passive inquiries and leads coming through to you. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are ways to kind of shortcut the process with the product uh, more traditional sort of product business like yours. I said shortcut. That's that's a that's a terrible word to use. But I think you know what the sentiment is. Yeah. Um, um, you know, because you'll be focused on we've got the product of products on the website and or social and constantly doing marketing activity mm-hmm. in order to get eyeballs on people seeing the products. Um, but. I'm going to be really honest for a month. Like I said, people don't care about your products. Mm. They've got no mm. reason to care about them just yet. They will do. Yet is the key word. Um, they certainly will care about them, but they've got to kind of do it vicariously through your own personal brand. So by like, for example, um, you know, you're, you're, how old are you, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 20. 20. Well, you're, you're banging the the tiktok snapchat like age group where you probably have very little worry or anxiety about getting onto your mobile phone recording videos and taking photos and stuff like that i don't know if i'd go that far (laughs) well certainly like for me it's kind of fairly foreign because you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm out of the ilk where you know mobile phones were like the old style flip phones and um nokia 3210s and stuff like that if you you know if you don't know what a nokia 3210 looks like go and google it it's like something from the ark oh god (laughs) um a similar one to that actually and 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 you know some people think that because i'm slightly older and i've grown up with this like the evolution of this stuff that it should be easier but um i haven't it was you know i'm i'm just on the cusp of the millennial age where like media attention was just totally foreign we had four tv channels when i was growing up you know so it's it's a very different world to be to be can find anything absolutely yeah. anything that's it. So I think if you can find a way to, and, and like marketing activity uh, uh, and building assets is actually just a massive experiment. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is going to be no, no one marketing strategy that is going to work for your business. Right. So okay, what, you, what about oh. like Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing? Is that something you'd recommend? Uh, it depends. Like the reason you might be caught up in, you know, Okay, let's put it a different way. If if an encyclopedia salesman knocked on your door today and tried to sell you like uh, a, uh, the whole suite of encyclopedias and you said to him, do I need an encyclopedia? What do you think he's going to say? Of course you do. Of course you do. So you go and speak to a Facebook guru and, they, and you ask them whether they need Facebook. What are they going to say? Of course, why not? Instagram, what are they going to say? Snapchat, what are you going to say? Clubhouse, what are you going to say? Mm-hmm. Everything, right? So every, everything that is out there, every shiny marketing strategy or platform, mm-hmm. every there'll be one person who'll be saying that's the best thing ever. Um, what you've got to do is take the, the MVP approach to your marketing as well, the minimum viable, the lean approach to your marketing. So what that means is... Um, Try, like find a strategy that's relatively quick and easy and cheap to set up, spin it up and get some data back. Don't expect any sales. Don't expect 
anything miraculous to happen. But just for example, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting Facebook ads would be the right route because um, it is a bit of a minefield and very ex- can get very expensive. Mm-hmm. And I think with your products, the price they are, I, I'm not sure that's the right way to go. But um, uh, in fact, I've just come up with a, a great idea, which I'm just going to hold fire on that for a second. I'll give it to you in a, in a mo. Uh, let me just make a note. Um, so where was I going? So, you know, you, it would be like, rather than kind of, again, building out this perfect, like landing page funnel, you know, ad campaign, um, you'd probably just kind of just, um, for example, just put out an ad and drop 20 pounds into it Mm -hmm. and just see what comes back. See whether a few people like or comment or even share your post, not expecting any sales. People don't go onto Facebook to buy stuff. They go on there to like catch up with their friends and learn. Mm-hmm. Entertained, okay they don't go on there to buy mm-hmm. but if if you could put 20 pounds into some ads and you get some really positive feedback in the comments for example and maybe one or two shares yeah well okay that's that's yeah. useful data it's, it's useful feedback um it, what's your back so your background must be something to do with fashion then and design no it's actually no I'm a medical student so I'm oh, really at the moment yeah oh no way fashion <laughs> you, but- my parents, both of them, they own clothing shops. Ah, and right. That's where the whole fashion element came about. And business, it's just because business runs in our family, I guess. We've got, everybody owns a business. So I think it's just a second nature now. That's it. So, well, the, your parents are your first customer then. Would they buy your, your blazers? Well, they better do, otherwise <laughs> some problem. Um, but yeah, my mom, she's been really supportive. Um, she's been the one who's been helping me design them, helping me make adjustments, choosing colours, um, embroidery, things like that. So she said I'd definitely buy them. Great. So my dad, um, he's he's not um obviously this is ladies, so he's not his opinion isn't completely the most honest, I guess. So I've not really asked him. Well, you, uh, you've got to get into the mind of a man. Probably yeah. what you need to kind of say is if you saw somebody wearing this, mm-hmm. maybe maybe your mum, I don't know, now or when she was a bit younger, do you think you'd find her attractive in it? Ah, that's a good way of thinking of it, actually. Yeah. Not that every that's what every man is thinking, but mm-hmm. you know, you've got to kind of just start to see it through the eyes of a, a, a man looking at a woman wearing the coat you know and again this is a, a, a terrible generalization which I'm about to make but as you get to know me you'll understand that this is how I work but you know um women wear clothes to feel confident mm-hmm. they don't they don't you know um yeah they want compliments some do um but ultimately they wear they invest in their wardrobe because they want to feel confident when they step out the door it's true it's very true and where do they get that confidence? They get it through one, feeling like they just, you know, really stand out, but two, compliments. Yeah, it's definitely, it's one of the things where we always look for affirmation from other people. And I think that's one of the things that humans kind of drives humans, just getting opinions from other people, feedback, compliments. So yeah, that does make sense. Whether it's from a male or a female, that's what everybody looks for. Even if you don't like something and you've worn it, someone's given you a compliment, you might just think, oh, it's not that bad, actually. I quite like it now, just because of the fact that someone complimented you. Yeah. But imagine imagine if you got known as the, the, you know, the blazer woman and your Instagram is just full of different blazers which you've made over a period of time. 
And eventually people are going to start to notice that and go, oh, where did you get that from? That's a really nice black. Well, funny enough, actually, you should ask. It's, it's my own brand. Uh, Do you see what I mean? So it's like, go, go your brand first and then ease into the product. I guess I have that. That is kind of what I'm known for. Well, obviously, being a medical student and the rest of it, but it is one of the things that it does show my style because I do wear blazers a lot. I do wear cords a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that does make sense, 100%. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about as well is because um, you you must have obviously well, I was only asking about your background and whether you you done some work in fashion but obviously you, I mean you must be an avid like enthusiast because otherwise you wouldn't be making um, sort of clothes but mm-hmm. um, I, I wonder as well whether you could almost come at it from a slightly different perspective and this could elevate the price point that you actually sell these at as well mm-hmm. Um I was thinking about this. If I was going to go out and buy myself a jacket, you know, if, if I was going to go and do a talk or something like that and wanted to, you know, something to really stand out, I, if I was going to buy a suit or a jacket or something like that, I'd be spending a lot more than 60 to 100 pounds. And you might be thinking, well, my target market's 20 to 35 year olds. Can they, can they afford it? Mm-hmm. They can if they really want it, if they really desire it, if, if they're going to really like be a 10 out of 10 knockout when they put it on. Yeah, it's. I guess it increases the luxury element of it as well. The more expensive it is, the higher, like the more luxurious we perceive something, even if it's not. And how how tailored are they? Um, well, to be honest, at the moment, this oversized fashion look has come in. So I've gone for the oversized, but I've also included a belt with two of the designs. So they've got that monk multi-functionality so you can also wear it as an oversized look but also tailored because of the belt yeah because again I'm wondering if there's an element of customization here so my my sort of um flash of inspiration I don't know how valuable this is but um so one of one of the sort of marketing techniques which we use is something called an unrefusable offer Mm -hmm. it's a little bit like what we're doing now you know, 30 minutes of my time hopefully is quite valuable to a lot of people. So they see it as an unrefusable offer. I can't, couldn't possibly turn that down. It'd be great to get on a call with Robin. Um, and um, so I'm just wondering whether we could have come up with something similar for you, which is actually doing a, almost like um, uh, a fashion consult or something like that. Oh, but do you not think I would be seen as a, um you've got tons of experience you've got a book out there you've done so much work you're recognized whereas technically I'm just a girl from Blackburn who's now offering consultations someone's gonna do not think people would think what experience does she have she's not even launched her fashion brand yet do you know what I mean yeah I totally know what you mean absolutely um well Okay, there's a couple of different ways we can look at it. So first of all, you might want to um, research something called imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that. I know what that is. So um, the, the the second thing is, so I, I, I absolutely detest the term fake it till you make it. Um, and I, I coined a, uh, a phrase which with, within my um, clients called make it till you make it. Mm-hmm. So, because I hate the word fake, like it's just, it, it's the sentiment's right in that sentence, but the word fake is horrible, but make it till you make it is just, well, what have you got to do then in order to get to a point whereby you can, you can feel like you're, you've overcome that imposter syndrome and you can stand out as an expert yourself in yeah. your own right. Okay. The second thing to remember is 
there's only one person here who knows that what you just said is true. Mm-hmm. If it is actually even true. Right. Okay. See where I'm going with this? So mm-hmm. you're the only one who is going to be stood there who, who like ultimately knows whether you've got the experience or not. Mm-hmm. but why don't you make it till you make it and come up with a, a, a like a fashion console or a um a, you know I don't know I don't know what you I don't, I don't know the technical term for it but you, you get the idea yeah. um, but come up with a structure that you can deliver comfortably confidently you know go through some colors with them go through some styles talk about oversized and fitted and um you know tailoring and stuff like that what they could wear with a blazer whether a blazer is appropriate so you kind of have a bit of a structure to take them through yeah, so that makes more sense. Rather than discussing how I built my brand up, because then I guess that's just inviting, initially it'll be hard because I'm just inviting more competitors, maybe yeah. encourage something. I don't know. I was thinking perhaps, not just yet, but in the next about, let's say, eight months, um, collaborating with a few other business owners, because I've got a few relatives who are quite well known as well um, in their businesses and creating like a business manual, like with all the advice that we would give. Yep. And then that would be a form of, let's say, passive income or however you want to call it. Whereas so it'd be almost not a book, but it'd just be like a little PDF that we'd send out. And I thought that was quite a good idea. But obviously, yeah. I just feel, I feel imposter syndrome at the moment. I don't feel as though I'm adequately qualified having not put my business out there having only been 20 years old whereas everyone knows me as the brainy one rather than the one with the business because any any business related things that I've done like eBay Amazon um just general business I've always done it in secret so like nobody knows yeah whereas this is completely different yeah but the but the thing is as well like again I mean it's um it's kind of it's not so much imposter syndrome. It's just having the confidence to be able to put yourself out there and, and not really care. Like the reality is like, so we get this, I get this all of the time. People, oh, I can't, couldn't possibly do a video because what, what, you know, what are people going to think of it if it's rubbish or this or the other? Well, probably if it's rubbish, nobody's going to see it anyway. Oh, it's just, I feel like, <laughs> especially with when you've created something like a brand, you become more sensitive Whereas if it's not yours, you've not created it, I'm fine to put it out there. If you tell me to promote someone else's business, I'll happily do it because it's not mine. When yeah. it's your own, you always feel, oh God, what if people say this? What if they think it's rubbish? What if so it's the, the first time, I'll let you into a little secret. The first time I got a one-star review for Online Business Startup, it was mm-hmm. like somebody stuck a dagger into my heart. Exactly. It's right. <laughs> but then um, I can't remember who it was who I was speaking to. I, I think it was my, I had a life coach at the time and he, he said, well, Robin, you've got, um, you know, 200 other four and five star reviews. Mm-hmm. Are you being serious? <laughs> it's true. When you put it like that, unfortunately, I don't have another 200 five star reviews. Well, no, but also he was like, and I was like, oh, but it's at the top of the, the reviews now. It's going to affect the sales. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what can you do about it? I was like, go and get another 25 star reviews. There you go. You just yeah. use it as motivation. And um, there are there are some th- simple things as well to kind of solidify your brand that are relatively simple. So like massively overlooked, but have you heard of a little thing called Google? Mm-hmm. Right. Google my business. So if you search for a local, a local business, so like hairdressers near me or something like that, you get mm-hmm. a map with the top three hairdressers in your area. Mm-hmm. And normally the top three have got several reviews on there. 
So once you've kind of solidified your, your brand, your identity, and you've got your website set up and running, for the first thing I would do is I would go and um, smash out a Google My Business listing. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's, it's fully, make sure you verify it. They send out a little postcard with the code on it believe it or not, still. Um, but just to confirm your address, you can then t- have your address taken off your listing once you've verified it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have like a delivery area, but fill out, get get loads of p- pictures up there of your products mm-hmm. and your brand and you. Um, and put, put a couple of other sort of, you can put blog articles and various things like that on it as well, like posts. Mm-hmm. Make sure your profile's completed up to 100%. And then get 20 of your friends to leave reviews on there about how awesome products are. Yeah. So then every time you Google your name or your business's name and it pops up with Google My Business with 20 reviews on it, you go, ah, I've got 20 reviews. And it'll stand out. It'll look good. People will trust the brand more, more likely to purchase. Definitely. Yeah. All right. But how, the thing I'm struggling with, I keep thinking, because obviously I started this idea about a year ago. And in that time, people have must have thought the same thing. So just in the past, let's say about four months, I've come across about three brands that have literally done almost exactly the same thing. And how do you, you can't show people, okay, my sketches were from January, 2020. And there's already out there. So how do you, you can't show people because it doesn't, I'm scared it won't look as original. It's fashion. Especially because these businesses have done almost the same thing. So how do I make it? What are they buying? Um, so they're buying these cohorts. No. What are they buying? My product. No. What are they buying? Blazers. No. Try again. A serve? I don't know. They're uh, buying you. Oh, I thought you might have seen that. Right. They're not. A blazer's a blazer. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like, why do we why do we buy um, I don't know Skodas over Jaguars? Mm. It's about how it makes us feel. Like you know, um, when when you walk into a Land Rover dealership, you get a very different level of service than you would to a I don't know local VW one, for example. True. So it's the service that's the most important. Would you say the brand, the service, and how it makes us feel? So I've just, for the past few days, I've just been overthinking the fact that, right, okay, there's businesses out there. How do I make it different? I've thought of this idea before that just because they've got it out there, it's going to look as though I've copied when I've not. Yeah, but again, you know what the truth is. You haven't gone out there and copied. You've This is like you're putting your stamp on this style, okay? I mean, again, look at how many business books are out there. A lot. Like I wouldn't, I, you know, I, there are a gazillion different business books out there, but I would still write another business book and another business book and another business book because it's, it's my interpretation of business. Yeah, and there's, a, there's an audience of people out there who want to hear from, from and I, without sounding like an arrogant twat here, they want to hear from me. Of course, of course. They, they like the way that I give them my message. Yeah, that makes sense, of course. That's put things into perspective, definitely. But I guess it's just marketing that's difficult then. If I if I overlook that aspect, it's just how do I put it out there? Because the influencers that have come out with these brands, they have a target audience. They're able to build 90,000 followers within a month because they've got a million followers. Yeah. So how do I, with 700 followers on Instagram, 
build a brand that's going to impact and influence this many people? Well, one, I mean, they, they, they may have sort of big, you know, big followings and maybe they're making lots of money and things like that. But the reality is for you, I mean, how much money do you want to earn? It's literally anything, as long as the brand is out there. I think it's more like a long-term thing. Yeah. So how, if, if I'm going to, um, I'm going to make you choose a number. Mm-hmm. Okay. How much money do you want to make on a monthly basis? About, let's see. Let's say within the next 12 months, where do you want to get to? In the next 12 months, I want to have made about 10,000. Okay. There you go. So you do know, um, how many products then at hundred pounds do you have to sell in order to make 10 K? Let me work that out. I think I've got a spreadsheet somewhere. Let me pull that up. The only profit, 13,000. I would have to sell, let's see, per month, 10, 20, 30, about 30, I'd say, 30 blazers. 30 blazers per month, okay. About 10 of each, because I've got about four colours, four, five colours and designs about 10 of each a month okay so 30 months so that's that's one a day yeah so the goal is how do we how do we find enough people to sell one a day that mm-hmm. achieves our first goal and we don't need a hundred thousand followers probably to achieve that right necessarily the other thing to look at it is like rather than going out and selling these things on a these things sorry that's that's very rude um your blazers your products on a one by one basis mm-hmm how could you get these into, like, could you go into some boutique shops and sell five at a time, for example? Because um, that's going to get you to your goal much quicker, isn't it? I just can't think of any boutique shops on a small scale that come to the top of my head. I I bet I could probably do, I, I bet there's probably some nice vintage shops near you that would be happy to maybe take a couple just to try it out. Yeah, maybe I've just not looked enough, I guess. Yeah, just get creative. Um, there are, there's actually lots of fashion um, distributors out there as well. So I, w- I would look at larger scale distribution channels. Now, the only challenge with that is they take, a, you get a lower margin. Ah, because they're obviously... But high volume, yeah. Yeah. So I'd investigate some of those. Mm-hmm. You could approach... Um, under NDA, I would do it. Uh, you could approach some buyers for larger fashion brands and see if they might be willing to take a punt. Mm-hmm. Would I not have to be more established for that? Nope. No. But the thing is, like, whether you're established or not, it's about doing activity that is going to get you to your goal. Mm-hmm. So if you go, oh, I'm not established, so I won't do it, you stand no chance. Mm. <laughs> but you, you miss every shot you don't take. It's just getting past that in your head and then just going for any opportunity you can think of. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a, like, um, the way I look at it is like, I, I know when I do these diagnostics that like, I'm not going to get every client out of every single call. Mm-hmm. So I'm not attached to no I don't, I don't care whether you say no. Mm-hmm. I also actually am not terribly emotionally attached to a yes either. Mm-hmm. It's for me, it's about making sure that anybody who comes through fearless business and wants to learn about how to grow their business is mm-hmm. it's a good fit and we can get them their desired result or outcome. 
Um, mm-hmm. And the, the remarkable thing is, and I, I know that I actually turn away f- far more clients than I take on. Mm-hmm. So probably for every one client I take on, I'm turning away um, immediately from these calls, three. Right. But in my my wider network of people who've maybe read the book or watched videos or come into the Facebook group or things like that, I'm probably turning away close to 60 or 70 people for every one that I take on. Oh, wow. So there's a, there's a ma- every business has this massive inherent amount of failure built into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you get used to that and comfortable with that, actually all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier because if you go out and just start hunting for no's, right? If, if your goal was to find a hundred buyers and get a hundred no's, you've kind of done your job. You've done the activity, but you've got actually what that creates is a hundred potential yeses. Yeah. So you just, you're opening your, yourself to more opportunities. Obviously yeah. it's going to have some implications. Not a lot of people will say, yeah, but you've got a few yeses, which you wouldn't have got otherwise. hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's just getting past that mentality where it's like, okay, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. In, just thinking, right, other people are so much better at this than me. Why should I try it? Yeah. But the thing is, when they stop, and they invariably will, something will go wrong. If you're carrying on, You'll be regardless, there. who's going to win? You, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And also, the other thing to bear in mind as well is, if the goal is to go out and get 100 no's, mm-hmm. um, you know, don't don't go out and get a maybe at number 10 and then pin all your hopes on that one. You carry on. You've still got 90 more no's to go and get. Yeah, it's true. I think when looking for models and um, like photographers and things like that, because obviously we don't have the biggest budget in terms of models because they're going to cost about £300 or £350 just for a couple of hours. You have to approach some people that perhaps are just your everyday people. And you have to message a lot of people just to get that one yes. Yeah. I think that's what I realized initially. I was like, oh God, message 10 people. They've, like Some of them haven't replied. Some of them have just gone AWOL. What shall I do? But I've probably messaged about, let's say about 60 people so far. And I've managed to get a couple of models. So I think now I'm becoming a bit more used to the fact that not everybody will say yeah. Not everybody will like what you're doing. Absolutely but it's taken a little bit to get here. Yeah. Um, what about, what would you say, like, in terms of, you said, you mentioned before, not having the perfect, let's say, perfect product, the perfect branding, the perfect website, and just putting yourself out there. Do you not think that if I did have the perfect everything, no, I, I guess I agree with what you're saying. Just put it out there regardless. Yeah, you can you can always, don't forget, like, like I said, I'm not suggesting you don't do this stuff. You just, mm-hmm. You're just not going to do it all so it's per, 100% perfect yet. Um, it's, it's about finding the right time to do it. So, if, for example, if, if, you're start, if you feel like you're starting to get a bit of traction and then people, like a couple of people mentioned about the website, well, that's when you go, okay, I should probably knuckle down and actually make, you know, fix whatever issues they found with the website. Mm-hmm. So it's just about data and feedback. If somebody's desperate for your products, you, you don't need a website or a business card or a, any, you don't need any of these things. If somebody sees your product and wants it, they're going to find a way to buy it. Yeah, it's true. It's just getting it out there. So yeah. what would you advise in terms of the next steps? Uh, well, what have, what have you taken from this so far? 
So the first thing I've taken is I just, I'm going to put the brand out there. I'm going to start getting people to talk about it, getting, using family and friends, because I mean, got to make use of them somehow, getting them <laughs> on yeah. Instagram, using connections, putting it. Initially, I was really scared about putting the brand as my brand. So I was going to kind of hide and not make out like it's my brand. Um, and just make out like it's just a brand that's just appeared from nowhere and I'm supporting it. But I think that's not the best thing to do. No, definitely not. I think I think it needs your your it needs your your personal branding like mm-hmm. attached to it in order to really kind of grow it. I'm scared, I think, because you think, okay, what if people don't like me? What if- I was gonna say it's it's fear of failure, fear of like mm-hmm. losing face, fear of not finishing what you started, fear of what if people don't if judge yeah. they judge me and they don't like me, fear of rejection. Yeah. Like it yeah. it's all of those things. And the reality is, and um I say this to be kind, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. They've all got their own shit going on. It's true. It's very true. Right? Nobody cares about you. <laughs> But that said, there will be 100, 200, maybe eventually 1,000 or even 10,000 people who will really care about you. Yeah. It makes sense just getting past that initial thing that, oh my God, everybody's going to care because nobody does. Yeah. Initially, they might say, maybe they might even say one or two things, but who cares? Yeah. They're not going to be the ones with the brand in the end of it. That's it. So I guess and the, the, anybody who cuts you down, normally it's because it's, it's their own insecurities that are like bubbling away behind the scenes as well. That's mm-hmm. true. They're projecting yeah. their own insecurity on you because they're looking at you and they're, they're like, they can see that you're elevating your consciousness, mm-hmm. your status um, by doing it. And that makes them feel insecure. So they lash out. Right. Okay. That's a very interesting thought. I like the way I like thinking of it that way. <laughs> yeah, and they they won't um, uh, like the thing is as well. If you fight back, you're fueling what they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they want you to bite back, so we just ignore it. We delete and block them, and we move on very quickly. Mm-hmm. Don't don't give them any any airtime. Right, I'm going to definitely take that piece of advice. If anything ever comes up, if I ever get any hate, just block and move on. Yeah, you'll get you'll get dickheads who will just be like, "Oh, I've seen this so, somewhere else, and you're copying them." <laughs> Delete block. Right. Okay. So just just ignore that. Focus on your game, not theirs. Definitely, I think that's a really good mindset. Definitely, going to adopt that. What else have you taken from this? Um, a lot, honestly. Realizing that it's just putting the brand out there, not wasting too much time, and what you mentioned in terms of an unrefusable offer. So I don't know if I've got the confidence just yet, but I know in six months time I will. And I'm going to make sure I have the confidence and the idea of perhaps um, just making perhaps even videos and how to style it. Even if it's not just me, what I was thinking was sending the blazer to influencers, getting them to do it. Yep. And then after creating like a business um advice pdf that's an unrefusable offer and somehow try and make that a gain for the rest of us don't don't forget as well like people are um uh what's the word Pe- people are quite sort of voyeuristic they like to see 
behind the, the scenes as well. Uh-huh. So document what you're doing. So when you're when you're making the blazers and uh-huh. sort of walking through the decisions that you make about the patterns that you're cutting or shapes you're doing, or I, I, I don't know. It's where you can tell I'm a novice when it comes to fashion, <laughs> but document it, like start to take videos of some of it. And try and make people feel included in the brand and ask yeah. for their opinions. Yeah, absolutely. Pop it, you know, you could, you could easily, rather than again, like building out somebody, you know, building out your business off the back of somebody else's dream, i.e. their YouTube channel, their Instagram following, mm-hmm. start to document it and build your own YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. You know, and could you could you get 20 videos out in the next 12 months, which uh, is um, a part of you, like going through the making process? Um, one of my friends is a, um, she's a brilliant artist. She does mostly oil paintings, but she does other stuff, but she does these huge canvases. Um, and they're so big, she kind of puts them down on the floor and then has to paint sort of standing over the top and then flicks paint and things like that. And they're all, um, like seascapes and landscapes and things like that. Just amazing pieces of work. And she was really struggling to sell them, um, when she first started out, because it was all that was happening was she was kind of showing piece people a piece of work like art and saying, "Do you want to buy it?" Wow. <laughs> and, and of course, everybody's like, "Well, I, no," because I have no emotional connection to that whatsoever. So, quite simply, I just said to her one day, "I said the next painting you do, get here's here's a tripod, here's a here's a clip for your phone." I said, "Just set it up and do a time lapse of you painting." Ah, okay. And straight away, she sold the painting that she did in the video and not just for the price she used to sell it at but I said when you do this could you do me a favor could you put your prices up and we went for something like three or four times her original price oh wow and she was like, oh nobody would ever pay that I said well if they want it they'll pay it pay for it and it doesn't matter whether it's 250 or a thousand like if they want it enough they'll find the money like it, it it's irrespective and if I said why don't you could do something unique on it as well if people want a piece of art they can hire it until they've paid for it Oh. And then they get to keep it. Okay, so we can have a thousand pound piece of art, ten instalments for hundred pounds. Bob's your mother's brother, and it's done. <laughs> but she, so she did the video. We, um, so she sold one piece the moment it went live, and she had two orders for new commissions off the back of it as well. Wow! So it's just behind the scenes that makes such a big difference. Yeah. We've got, I mem- I, I went to, I'm, I've got another call at 1.30, so we don't have masses of time left. But mm-hmm. I remember going to New York once. We had a, um, uh, it was my, well, not once, my wife and I were on our honeymoon. And they've got street artists there who do these like amazing night, night city scenes oh. with moons on it and things like that. And they do it using um, spray paints. Literally, it takes like five or 10 minutes whilst you sit there. But we, we actually filmed the guy making it. And it's kind of like the, 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 the picture's nice, but actually as well, like having the memory of us stood there on the hustle and bustle of a New York street, with the noise and everything to go with it. Yeah. It's also like really important as well. I think your prices are too low. Mine, really? Yeah. What would you advise then? I, I th- well, I think what you could potentially do is have something called an espresso machine. Right, okay. <laughs> like, You've probably never noticed this, but if you go into a big city and go into, I can't remember whether it's either Starbucks or Costa, I think it's Starbucks. If you look up above the counter, you'll see an espresso machine. Okay. Now most people, and they know this, most people will go in there and not even see it. They won't go in. They know that most people won't want to buy an espresso machine. Uh But every now and then 
a raving fan who goes in and has like, you know, three coffees yeah. a day from Starbucks uh, will go, can I have my skinny mocha chocolate frappuccino or whatever? Oh, and by the way, can I have that espresso machine? Right, okay. Yeah. So, and, and they, they sell a few, but the thing is like every espresso machine they sell, it's the same profit of about a thousand cups of coffee. Oh, so it's a lot bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, and they periodically are selling a Starbucks espresso machine. So, um, you, at the moment, you've got your 60 to 100 pound price range, but why haven't you got a 250 pound like limited edition on there? I do. I didn't actually mention that, but now that you say it, do you know what? I was debating whether to do that. And now that you've said it, I definitely will. I've got one that I was thinking of pricing about 250. Yeah. It's embroidered, but I just, I wasn't sure whether people liked it. Me, I, myself, I loved it. Um, my mom loved it. But then when I messaged... put it out there, nobody's going to be able to buy it. If that espresso machine wasn't on the top of the counter, nobody could see it and be inspired to buy it. Right. Okay, so you, you make one and you have it on there yeah. so that people can see it. And every now and then, you'll yeah. get a nice surprise when somebody goes, oh, can I have that espresso machine? That looks amazing. So you would say put it on? Yeah. 100%. I just wasn't sure whether people liked it because when I, do you know, when you message influencers asking which one they'd like, you send them a couple of images, not one of them picked it from the three. So then I thought, what if they don't like it? So I wasn't too sure about the design. Is it good? Um, I'm not sure. From your I, perspective, do you like it? Do you love I it? I like it, yeah. Yeah. So I have, have, have a bit of belief. Is it? Yeah, it's just yeah because they um, didn't. I, I was in a I was in a clubhouse room last night, um, mm. uh, talking to um, a couple of guys off the Apprentice, and oh. um, one of them told this brilliant story about when Renault introduced a um, a, a new model of cars. This is going back years that was designed to be like you know ultra modern and just you know break break all of the boundaries around car design and things like that and they did the the ceo of the company of renault was up there with the chief designer and they kind of pulled back the curtains to stun silence Mm because everybody was like what on earth is that and apparently the um uh the, the CEO said, it was, I can't remember which way around it was or um, how, how exactly the story sort of played out, but they said something along the lines of like, oh, well, we can't possibly put this out into the market. And, and the other person said, we can't possibly not put it out onto the market because if this is the reaction we're going to get, we're going to be all over the news. <laughs> <laughs> and whether we sell any or not, it doesn't matter. It's a bit like when Elon Musk put, that, put out that massive steel tank. You know, I don't know if you saw that, the Tesla... Uh, no. four by four you know everybody was taking the piss out of it but there was eighty thousand people who put down a deposit for it is it oh my yeah. god that's crazy even though everyone was taking the piss out of it yeah so i, I would put your put your espresso machine up there definitely is it? if definitely. it's not if it's not there people can't buy it mm-hmm. that's a very good idea do you know what definitely i will do that i was debating it before but you've just consolidated why not yeah. I'm making double the profit, triple the profit, might as well. 100%. But yeah, it's 28 and I'm going to let you go. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so, so much for your help. That's my pleasure. Um, I was going to ask a favour actually, because um, mm. um, 
even if even if you were interested in fearless business I was going to say to you that it's too early for you anyway because you're just a startup we tend to take sort of more established businesses on there um but I um I don't know if you'd be open to this but did you know I have a podcast no I didn't actually would you be open to me I mean it'll be it'll go through an editor but would you be open to our discussion being turned into a podcast episode of course why not because I think it would be really helpful for a lot of people and we can also um it's a shame we didn't catch the video because that would have been quite interesting to be able to pop maybe pop onto the YouTube side of things but um I won't worry too much about that but if you're up if, if you're open to it we can pop it onto the um uh I'll get it edited as, as a podcast episode I'll get them to um sort of fairly heavily edit it I'll get them to run it by you first just in case you're worried about anything that we might have discussed that you want to sort of keep confidential. Uh-huh. Um, but I think this would be really helpful for other people to listen to as well. Of course, why not? I think it'll be helpful for me as well, just knowing that I wouldn't have done this otherwise. I don't think I'd be that confident to have put myself out there in terms of a podcast. And honestly, I think why not? If anyone can benefit from it, It'll help other people, especially startups, younger people. Why not? Definitely. Cool. Can you do me a favour then? Would you be able to email me just um, just a short biography mm-hmm. about yourself and yeah. about your, a few more details about um, the brand and maybe a couple of pictures as well? And then um, I'll send it across to my editor and then we'll just see, see what we can do with it. Perfect. So do you want pictures of the products? Yeah, ideally you wearing the products dealing me wearing the products I've got I've not got the best pictures at the moment I'm doing a shoot probably the end of Feb okay yeah that's fine I mean we can just get it edited and ready to go out and then we can add the 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 pictures on later that's not a problem yeah I've got a picture of me wearing it but I'm donating um, money to the hospital and I've got a face mask and it's a hospital background so I don't know if that's the best um it would be current but it's probably not the best one sort of not the best one so what I'll do is um I'll send the biography bit now and then once I've got better pictures, I'll email you that and then obviously you can do the editing in the meantime. Yeah, and we can link up your your Insta and stuff like that as well. So, you know, who knows, it might might create a little bit of publicity for you um, sort of in the long term. But again, it's an asset now that Mm -hmm. has your name attached to it that people can listen to you speaking. So That's perfect. That's great. All right. Thank no, you seems, so much. Super helpful to me as well. No, it's a pleasure, Romana. Um, so yeah, send me that stuff and we'll keep in touch. Um, and um, I hope you found that all helpful. Oh, definitely. Thank you so much again. Mm-hmm.